You're now listening to the Wandering Buffalo podcast with your hosts, Andrew Chang and Justin Goddard. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the Wandering Buffalo podcast. My name is Andrew Chang, and alongside me is my co-host, Justin Goddard. Thank you for tuning in to tonight's episode. You can find us on most social media platforms by searching The Wandering Buffalo Podcast. We're also on YouTube and other streaming services such as Spotify and Apple Podcasts. We got a fun episode lined up for you tonight. So let's break down the agenda. But first, Justin, how are you doing? I'm doing wonderful, my friend. Thank you. Uh, finally got some nice weather going on out here. Feels like we might be past that full spring. Actually have some nice weather on the way. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing great. I just got back from playing tennis and I agree with you. The weather feels like it's actually starting to turn around, but you know, as soon as this episode drops, the weather's just going to turn terrible. It's going to just rain, snow, all this other stuff. So I apologize to our listeners now. If you're listening to this and it starts raining, you can put the blame on me. <laughs> so I apologize. So let's break down the episode real quick. We have some uh, Bills-related news we got to go over real quick. Then we're going to focus in on the linebackers. Justin has some prospects for us to talk about in terms of the draft. And then lastly, we'll preview into next week's episode. So what happened from last week to this week? We're recording this episode actually a little earlier. It's Tuesday, March 23rd. And the reason why we're doing that is because I have a birthday dinner to attend to on the night we normally record. It's actually going to be my birthday dinner, so I'm not going to be there for obvious reasons, so sorry. But what did happen at the recording of this episode is that the Bills re-signed Isaiah McKenzie. Could he be the permanent returner moving forward? Kind of makes me nervous if I'm going to be honest, Justin. How do you feel about the Isaiah McKenzie re-signing? Um, so it throws a monkey wrench into my plans for the draft, um... With all the needs that we filled, I was really looking forward to maybe something really sexy at the tail end of the first round. One of those gadgets. I'm watching Rondell Moore's um, pro day today. Dude's running 429, 42 and a half inch vertical. He's one of the guys that I love for that type of role. Um, doesn't mean that we don't bring in somebody like that, but, you know, I love McKenzie, so I'm glad to have him back. Yeah, McKenzie, I, I love the man, and I remember right when the Bills were actually heading to the AFC Championship uh, game, the Bills streamed uh, on, like a live recording of the players getting on onto the jet, and out comes Isaiah McKenzie in cold weather wearing short shorts and a Hawaiian button t-shirt stole the show out from everyone he's he's a character and i'm glad he's back and i know kate kate cooper a previous wandering buffalo interviewer was really hammering the table for the for him to come back so it looks like she got her wish so congrats kate other news that doesn't it's not really directly affecting the bills but it is happening in the division Corey davis the wide receiver who signed with the jets signed with the understanding that Darnold would be their quarterback. And that was reported by Rich Cimini. Uh, Cimini, I apologize. 
So what implications do you think that could have on the draft, Justin? Uh, I think it's a lie. <laughs> um, I mean, I don't, I don't know if Darnold being the quarterback next year would be some sort of incentive for Corey Davis to sign. Um, I'm all for Darnold being their quarterback again, but they, I really don't see them not taking quarterback at two. Right. Well, you know, I'm actually, I'm, I don't hate Sam Darnold. I really think he got put in the worst situation. It pretty much the reverse situation for Josh. And I can't call it the worst situation when Josh Rosen still exists. <laughs> well, all right, that's fair. I, I, okay. Well, you know what? I, I'm gonna get off my horse. We'll, we'll just move on with the episode. All in all, everything that happened with the Bills thus far, I'm this offseason, I give it the definite okay. Okay, so let's transition to the linebackers. This is a room that I personally believe is a strong suit for the Bills. Sean McDermott's defense always emphasizes good linebacker play. However, they didn't benefit from the defensive line play. Whether it that was a scheme issue or a play, player issue, whatever it was, it didn't help. It didn't keep the linebackers clean. Injuries also took their toll on this group, specifically with Matt Milano and uh, what what he tear like his pec muscle mm. and still kind of played like that's crazy to me. <laughs> like when I think about it, and then Tremaine Edmonds with like his shoulder injury, and then Tyrell Dotson with the hamstrings, and the list just kind of goes on and on. But we'll break it down by each player. So without further ado, let's start with Matt Milano. I love Matt Milano. He bursted onto the scene his rookie year in 2017 after usurping Ramon Humber. And this man's so strong, Justin. He's so strong. He can blitz up the middle, go around the edge. He's got speed. He was a converted safety at Boston College, and it shows. He's so fantastic in coverage for the most part. For the most part. The team is that much better when he's on the field. And that's not far-fetched, in my personal opinion. Injuries are a concern with him. I understand that. But I'm glad that he's back for the next four years. Oh, and did I mention that he took somewhat of a pay cut to stay on the team? He could have got way more than $11 million, in my opinion. Well, maybe not way more, but I everyone was anticipating the 13 to 14 million dollar range or even 12 so a million dollar pay cut that's still real that's that's good to me this this signing tells me that culture matters right justin either that or the market wasn't as fruitful as he thought he it would be but i personally am in the camp of that culture matters and matt milano wanted to be here and was okay with taking 11 million dollars as opposed to signing for 12 13 14 on a team where he was unfamiliar with and was unsure about the culture justin how do you feel about matt milano i also love matt milano and as far as the free agency goes i think it was probably a combination of the two um you know when you're when you're hitting the market and say you're getting offered the same 11 million dollars from somebody else like why not run it back with your boys you already know what you have there. You're building together. You're only going to get better. So, you know, 
what are you going to get like say 11 million dollars from the jets you want to go play there no um so my favorite thing about matt milano is he's this fifth round pick and you know the way the draft goes fifth round picks aren't aren't making it long term in the nfl left and right so he he's always got that chip on his shoulder too that you know he was there through the fifth round now he's out here making an impact every week. He's one of the top five coverage linebackers in the NFL. And, you know, the defense is different when he's on the field. And, you know, we draft Tremaine Edmonds high in the first round. You'd expect him to kind of elevate the play of those around him. But it's kind of the opposite. You know, Matt Milano is kind of the one that's elevating the defense. And when he's not in there, it looked like a whole different defense. Mm-hmm. Right. So Matt Milano, I believe, was a fifth round pick, and right, and I remember when he came on, I was like, "All right, I don't really know who this guy is, but I noticed him when he got on the field. That's for sure." So let's actually spin around to Tremaine Edmonds, the guy that you say he elevates, and I agree with that. When those two are on the field together, they play much better. The sum of those two are greater than than their play suggests, you know. So Tremaine Edmonds. I I don't understand the hate for my man Tremaine Edmonds. He took somewhat of a step back this year. Okay, whatever. Or at least that's what people want to say. But similar to Josh, if everything gets put together, this ceiling is so ungodly. He athletically this man is a beast. He's a monster, right? He played injured for a while through the season, and I think that's why he didn't perform as well as people. Well, I think that's why he didn't live up to expectations that the fans had. He had such a good stretch of games towards the end when he was actually healthy, minus the Kansas City game. I'll put an asterisk right there. Mahomes fooled him with his eyes. That's really hard to defend. And moreover, you, you, you're you trying to cover guys like Kelsey Hill and stop that offense. It, it's That's a tall order. So, And some people want him to play defensive end or have him shift out to the weak side, like basically flip-flop Milano with Edmonds. I don't, I don't think that maximizes his potential. Not to mention, you would have to wait for him to learn that position. So do you really want him to stop what he's learning right now just to pick up something new? Like, that just doesn't seem, in, like, optimal in my personal opinion. He's got a fifth-year option coming up. I think the Bills pick it up. But, Justin, tell me your thoughts on Tremaine Edmonds. Yeah, so I absolutely love the pick when we took him. Um, and with his high draft stock comes, you know, the high expectations. But we, dra- we drafted him when he was 19, so, I mean, he's already got three years playing experience under his belt. He's going into the season 22, 23 years old. Like, he's still a young man out there in a grown man game, and he's not only been holding his own, he's been playing really well. Um, I think part of the, you know, disappointment with him this year was he was a, uh, a rookie pro bowler, you know, and people expected this giant leap from him going forward. And, you know, he kind of plateaued, and he spent half his season injured this year. And, you know, all things the same, I feel like with Milano's injuries, 
Um, there's probably games in there where they would have liked to have rested Edmonds, but Milano was out too, so they didn't want to be down both players. So I think he kind of played through injury to a detriment for him this year. But, you know, you saw a big change when he started getting healthy. He started playing more instinctual. The Chiefs game aside again, he Pat Mahomes worked him over with his eyes, but that's what Pat Mahomes does to everybody. So mm-hmm. I love the guy. I love what his ceiling is. There's almost no ceiling for him. His size, athleticism, all that. Once all the pieces come together, we're going to be talking about one of the best linebackers in the league. Right. Let's transition to, I don't know, maybe someone who doesn't have that type of ceiling. My man, AJ Klein. <laughs> man, the roller coaster. I. This is someone I hated when the Bills signed him. But, you know, I have to trust the process. So I have to just sit there and take it. <laughs> I still don't want to see him on the field, personally. He had a good stretch of games when Milano was out. Yeah, okay. But we just asked him to run in a straight line towards the quarterback. That's And that's easier said than done. So I, I'm not going to say here, sit here and say, I can do that. But I think the Bills finally realized that A.J. Klein is not a good coverage linebacker. I get scared. So like I get so scared when I see the running back go out of the backfield and AJ Klein covers him because I know it's bad news bears. It it really it really does not <laughs> equate to anything good. He, although, let's shift to the positive side with AJ Klein. He did have a real good uh game against Seattle that earned him that AFC defensive player of the week. The Bills had him blitz like crazy again in that straight line, straight line moves and stripped the ball from Russell Wilson. He had even uh, Micah Hyde said like AJ had the game of his life and it showed. He played real well that game. Can't really get out of the deal if that's what you want the Bills to do, but at least we know what we can do with him if Milano goes out. Justin, how do you feel about A.J. Klein? Right, so the way I feel about A.J. Klein is in the role that it seems like was supposed to be carved out for him, he was an adequate player in that position. Um, What we didn't really expect was these long-term lingering injuries to Milano and Edmonds that kind of shook things up. I think we brought Klein in to be, you know, a 15, 20% snap taker, and he ended up being on the field for 100% of these snaps for multiple games. Mm -hmm. Um, AJ Klein is, the book is written on him. We know who he is. He has his limitations. Mm -hmm. Uh, He's not going to run in space with these high-end tight ends. He's not going to cover the fast running backs out of the backfield. But, you know, there are some things he can do. He can get after the passer. I, I'm fine with him being around in that rotational designated space that was kind of carved out for him. Mm-hmm. Um, but if we have some injuries, I, I would like to see somebody else on the field, the primary amount of snaps mm-hmm. and something that we don't really have on the roster right now. Right. Let's move further down the depth chart and talk about Andre Smith. This was a guy that we traded for last year before camp ended, I believe. And I, I wasn't sure if he was going to make the team just because the Bills just got him. But 
we weren't really sure what we had in the guy. I he he is good depth. We actually were signed into extension, so I know he contributes for depth and special teams play. So I'm real cool with it. I think he signed a two-year, two million dollar deal or something along like with in that ballpark. Not much is known with him, but maybe he can develop in into something more. So Justin, tell me about your thoughts about Andre Smith. Yeah, he's a he's a guy we don't know a ton about. Um, the the organization kept him around all year. Same same as you said, but throughout the whole season for me, every time a little roster move was being made, I was like, this is probably Andre Smith. Yeah, adios, Andre. Um, but he stuck around the whole season, and this is an organization that they pulled the plug on Voshan Joseph two years in, mm-hmm. and they had a fifth-round pick invested in him. So they've kind of showed that if they're not seeing what they want to see out of you, they will pull the the plug. So keeping him around all season, mm-hmm. maybe there's something that they've seen in him that, that we haven't seen yet. So I'm I'm interested to see... You know, if we have a full off-season training camp, preseason, all that, right. what we see out of Andre Smith. Right. Moving on, Tyler Medikevich. Much like Andre Roberts, he is a linebacker by title only. He's a special teams ace. I love that heads-up play catch. Uh, I'm referring to the on-sign kick that New England did to us. Real good for him to just have that, have his eyes on the ball and just grab that, secure that possession. He got extended recently to help lower his cap hit this year. I thought he was going to be a cap hit, or cap casualty, I'm sorry. But it was pretty cool that he was willing to take that pay cut and be extended. Much like Klein, I don't ever want to see him out there unless it's for a meaningless game. Specifically, the second half of the Dolphins beatdown in Week 17. I don't care if you're on the field at that point, but cool. (laughs) Justin Tyler-Mankiewicz, thoughts? He's a guy that I, I love for what he brings to the special teams. Like you said, we don't really want to see him playing defense. Um, going into the season last year, I was kind of like in this spot where I wasn't really a big fan of all of these special teams-only players. Um, but as, this, as the season goes on and we saw how well our special teams were performing... On, on those depth players, you know, ideally Milano and Edmonds aren't going down. You don't have to worry about him playing defense. Mm-hmm. Um, special teams is an area that gets slept on a little bit, and you really have to bring all phases of the game to be winning at a high level. Right. So if the kind of cost of that is our depth linebacker, we hope we don't see play defense, and he's a huge contributor on special teams, then... That's a good problem to have, and I'm okay with having a guy like that around with a roster spot. Right. Moving on to the last guy, Tyrell Dotson. Man, this guy was hurt for, at least in my eyes, I felt like this guy was, was always hurt with a hamstring. And I remember when the Bills first brought him on and that suspension thing that happened with him for the domestic violence issue. I thought he was a goner after that came out. So the fact that he's still here tells me that the coaching staff must see something in him. And that's something that 
I personally haven't seen because I don't really see him on the field that much, <laughs> you know? So it's hard for me to uh, look at it through those lens. Some fans are actually pretty high on him, Justin. Some even went as far to say that he could be the Milano replacement if he walked. And to that, I say, lol. <laughs> you know, like, okay. What is? What was your source on that? God? Yeah, God. God, right? Was yeah. It? Yeah. I, I, I read that, and I was like, okay. I think, I'm trying to remember when he did see the field. Again, I think it was week 17 against the Dolphins. Don't, you know, quote me on this. But he was out in coverage, and he actually jumped into a throwing lane and almost picked off the ball. So I think he flashed a little bit there. So if he saw the field, I guess I wouldn't be that concerned knowing that I saw one play. But again, that's one play. That does not sum up who Tyrell Dotson is as a football player. But it's good to know that he knew what to do for at least that one play. (laughs) So... We'll see with him. Not much to say uh, more about him, but this team is too good to toss him out there for an experiment. He's depth, and I hope he stays depth, at least for this team's run. Justin? Yeah, and he, he has some good athleticism, um, some traits, the type of things that you can't really coach. So, you know, you take those things and you work on the other pieces of the game and hope that he can come along. This is the kind of guy that I look at is maybe he can replace that A.J. Klein role um, with a little bit more athleticism down the road, can co- can't, can come in and not be a complete liability in coverage um, if he needed to. I think he's an interesting piece, and in the fact that he stayed with the team this long through everything, I feel like there's something there that we haven't really seen yet, and I'd I'm interested to take a look at him. Right. Sounds like you and I are both optimistic with Tyrell Dotson. All right. Well, that's going to wrap it up for the linebacker room. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back. Special guest, old friend, bodybuilding champ, Scott Badman. How are you doing? I'm doing good, Andrew. Thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, absolutely. Long time, no see. Why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself, who you are? My name's Scott, about 31 years old, financial aid advisor at local college. What college? Ryan Stratton Online. Oh, okay, okay. So should we regale the listeners about like how you and I met? We can, yeah. yeah. We met through a mutual friend uh, at the time that I believe you were working with. And, you know, we all went to the gym together. We're, you know, you were living downtown. I was living downtown. You know, it was a good time. Definitely. I, and at that time, I'd probably say I weighed a third of the less, <laughs> a third of my body weight less than what I do right now. So I definitely have to uh, give some, you know, kudos to you because you, you dragged me to the gym and uh, made me start doing that. So thank you. Anytime, buddy. <laughs> All right, and obviously you're a Bills fan. For those of you who can't see what Scott's wearing, he's he's wearing an old school. What is that? A Puma? Oh, this Puma? is Puma Eric Moulds. This is when he was playing too. Fifth grade, I've had this jersey yes. since. 
so it's it's pretty old. Why don't you give the people a quick synopsis of your fandomonium uh, for the Bills, like when you became a fan? Well, we're going way back. I, uh, well, I grew up about a half mile from the stadium. My parents still live over there in Orchard Park. And it's just mm-hmm. every Sunday, you know, parking cars. You could hear the stadium from the house, all the fans, and there was, what, 70,000, 80,000 people there. And it was, mm-hmm. just, it was just a way of life growing up. Wow. Sounds sounds like uh, Sundays were pretty pretty fun. Did you ever um, notice that when you were watching football games, did you hear what was happening before you saw what happened on TV? Sometimes, especially driving by and stuff. <laughs> before, if you know, I, I'd always roll the windows down so I could listen to the fans and everything. And you know, you have it on the radio as well. And the fans are always a little bit ahead. So if something crazy happened, you know, you heard it out the window first before you heard it over the air. That's so cool. And yet kind of like a, I mean, it'd probably be mortifying if you knew something bad was going to happen. I can only imagine all years, oh, I bet you just watch it on your screen. But I guess that kind of uh, sets you up for Soften the blow. the blow a little bit. <laughs> yeah. So I understand that when we used to go to the gym a lot, you dropped a comment that you were brought on to play arena football as a defensive end. Is that correct? That is correct, yep. Uh, Buffalo's tried a number of arena leagues since the defenders left, and this team was called the Buffalo Lightning, and they were playing down in Irving, you know, a little bit down uh, down the lake from Orchard Park there in the Bill Stadium. But, uh, yeah, I was playing defensive end for them, and that's just a different world. Um, field smaller, uh, less people on the field, it's a lot faster paced, you know. Uh, a lot of these quarterbacks have a lot of time in the pocket, Josh Allen especially this year, but arena football is just so much more faster paced. You have about three, four seconds tops to get to the quarterback when you're rushing the edge, and the ball's gone. Right. Justin, any questions for the arena football? Oh, I'm just, I'm always really curious, like, what's what's the light, uh, locker room like in that type of atmosphere? Uh, it was pretty similar. A lot of us had played before in college and high school. So it was really like a continuation of that. You know, um, game days, you're, you're pretty serious. Everyone has their own rituals, you know, listening to music, um, specific foods you eat before games. You know, I was, I was religious, almost superstitious about it. And, you know, while it lasted, it was a great time. You know, we had a great team. Um, Coach Zimmerman was pretty cool as well. Had a lot of expertise. We had a lot of local... Um, you know, real famous local people that were coaches. Um, Lou Rossi was a big lineman coach. And, you know, a lot of knowledge. It was a really cool experience. Wish it could last a little bit longer. But like I said, we've tried, a lot of the leagues are tried. And, uh, you know, hopefully one of them stick again. Yeah, I know, I know they had, like, the Destroyers back in the day. There's the Defenders. I have to ask, did you ever play with a guy in the secondary uh, named Travis? Um, I knew mostly by last names, to be honest. That's just how it is in the sports yeah. world sometimes. I don't want to throw his last name out there with his permission, but I, I knew a guy that played, um, I think it I think it was the Defenders. He played secondary for probably about four or five years. It was really cool talking to him about it. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I'll have to, I'll have to look back into it and see it. look him up. Yeah, we'll do names after the show. I don't want to throw his name <laughs> out there without him knowing it. Sounds good. <laughs> right. Uh, and then I was also curious about... Um, just kind of like the business end of it, you know. Obviously, it's like semi-pro. Was it was it paid or was it just kind of like uh, a was, hobby of yours? Uh, this one was paid. Um, cool. You know, there were there were contracts and stuff. More of a per game basis. Um, 
so yeah, as far as the business goes, um, the coaches really and the owners handled a lot more of that. We just kind of, you know, you showed up to practices, you showed up to games, you got paid or you waited to get paid, and then uh, that was that. It wasn't too technical. There weren't, everyone got paid the same, um, unlike, you know, positional rates, you know, sign-on bonuses, all the stuff that the, that the NFL players are dealing with. But uh, it, was, it was pretty straightforward at that level. Be cool if it was more positional based, you know, that pass rushing DN. That's a high value position right there. That is true. That would have been pretty cool. Maybe next time. So, how do you think your experience in arena football resembles the typical experience of an NFL player in the league? I was maybe a little bit of a taste of it. Um, like I said, when it came to, you know, getting paid a little bit to do something like playing football that you absolutely love since you're a kid, that's, you know, if, feels one of the best feelings in the world um playing at a level that's even you know beyond college is pretty cool as well and you know it's a pretty cool experience you know um just being a part of an organization at a much smaller scale like the nfl players are right did you have the jitterbugs when like going out there on the field or would you say it was pretty comparable to college ball? Uh, pretty comparable to college ball. You know, it's just exciting. Uh, you love playing football. You love what you do. And it's just mm-hmm. getting excited for games, getting ready to hit someone. Right. And I know you mentioned that you had some rituals and like consistent things that you would do before a game day. Can you tell us about some of your rituals? Uh, yeah, you know, you always wear the same Under Armour outfit, you know, under the jersey and everything. You, um, I'd, I'd take the same scoop of pre-workout before the game, no water, got to dry scoop it. Um, need the same, you know, small breakfast. <laughs> and then just, you know, listen to, listen to the right music, you know, whether it was, you know, hard rock, maybe some rap, you know, whatever got you in the zone. Right. Sounds sounds like you haven't changed too much since I've met you. You were doing the just straight up scoop of pre workout in your mouth the day I first met you, so that's that's pretty out there. <laughs> um, but we know that life is behind you now, and I understand you're a father of two, correct? I am a father of two. Yep, two beautiful girls. Do you plan on raising them as Bills fans? My oldest is already a Bills fan. You know, she was given a book when she was first born called. Uh, you know, Buffalo Bills, and it, it it's pretty cool. It breaks down football to a kid's perspective, and, you know, it expl- you know names all the famous Bills players, Jim Kelly, Thurman Thomas, Bruce Smith, who's my all-time favorite, the mascot, too, things like that. It's pretty cool. Rosie uh, got a Josh Allen jersey for her birthday this year, so mm-hmm. she loves it. No, cho- no choice in your household. It's all Bills fans, right? That's a good way of saying it, yep. <laughs> What, so you growing up was there? Was it like your choice growing up, or was there somebody that kind of brought you on board as a Bills fan, or how did you come into your fandom when you were young? Uh, my dad's been a big time Bills fan as well, so you know I was I was raised into it naturally. You know he'd be listening to the games back when they weren't always televised, and you know I'd listen with him out in the garage, and then you know we'd watch games every Sunday, and I still try to go back there on Sundays and watch games with him. It's a really fun time. That's a a terrible thing to remember. I remember, you know, trying to getting all excited to watch a game on a Sunday, and all of a sudden we got a blackout game. And it's not on TV. It's before the days of streaming. You you had the radio, and that was about it. 
Yeah, that was a tough time. I'm glad that uh, glad those days are behind us because it's hard to, hard to imagine not watching these games, especially how exciting this last season was. You know, and that to to your point, and that really transitions really well to my next question. How would you describe your 2020 Bills season? Uh, the only words to describe it is electric. I mean, I've been saying this for years. When the Bills win, there's a feeling in the air. Not only that Sunday, but for the whole rest of the week leading up to the next game. It's it's something that is it's pretty indescribable. I don't know if any other cities go through this. They say the Bills have the best fans in the world, and I believe it. It's just like electricity in the air. You can just feel it. That's something we've kind of touched on on, on previous episodes. It's just that that feeling and it's it goes throughout the whole community it's not just you know this small sector of bills fans it bleeds into everything when the bills are doing well the city just feels like it's doing better it's awesome so what would you say was the best part of the bills 2020 season outside of how far we went into the playoffs uh, my favorite part was just watching Josh Allen just become what a lot of us hoped and knew he would be he was uh, the quarterback that I wanted coming out of that draft. I know there was a lot of controversy and a lot of, you know, who were they going to take? And I was jumping for joy when they took Josh Allen um, in that draft. And, you know, it, he, he developed a couple years in and just started going off. And you never knew what you were going to see the next week. And it was a lot of fun to watch. I remember specific games like the Seattle game just, you know, really kicked off that, oh, yeah. that uh, second half of the season and it's a real high-scoring game, and it was just a great time. Uh, so any last year was the COVID year. Did you have, like, any obstacles going through the season? Are you somebody that goes to a lot of games? Did it really change up your routine, or how is that different for you? I do try to go to a couple games every year. You know, every year I'm saying, you know, this is the year I'm finally going to get season tickets, and, you know, I very well might have if uh, if things were different. Um you know, still, you know, little get-togethers to watch the games, you know, going over to see my parents and stuff. Nothing too crazy, but I'm glad that we were able to have a season because it was it was a close call. Right. So I know that you're glad that the Bills could have their season and Buffalo was thriving, of course, through it, through the pandemic. Do you see yourself staying in the Buffalo area down the road? I do see myself staying in the Buffalo area. Um, you know, especially with my position at the college and then my wife's uh, position at her job, we're pretty well established. You know, we have, we both grew up in this area where we have families here. Um, so for the foreseeable future, yeah. Okay. I got one more question for you. It's a little bit off script, but our producer just threw it in the chat here. So dying to know, um, we filmed a combine episode coming up. It's going to drop in the next week or so. Um, we did all a bunch of combine workouts. Um, so in your, in your playing days, did you ever get like your official 40 time? And if so, what was that? Uh, did, we did do a full combine, uh, 40 and then bench reps always. I'm pretty proud of considering my size. Yeah. I ran a four, six, nine, 40. Sheesh. And the most I put up two twenty five four was 29. All right. That... You got to get your numbers up, man. Come on. Uh, oh, I can still do mine. it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, man, that is that is big. All right, we have one more question for you. Of course, you knew we have to ask you this. The chicken wing question. Drum, flat, blue cheese, ranch, best place in town, go. Flats all day, every day. 
without question for me. Uh, it's perfect because my wife prefers the drums, so you know we can split them anytime, and we're all good there. And blue cheese without question. It's it's hysterical um, when people just like playing around, jump on each other's cases if someone likes ranch. That's that's it's a fun time. And best place in town. Um, that's a real tough call. You know, we're blessed in Buffalo with how many good places for wings we'd have. There's a new place right near the stadium called Prohibition 2020, and I tried their wings. I got to say, they're some of the best I've ever had. Them and Bar Bill. Got to give respect to Bar Bill. Mm, perfect. Well, do you have any questions for us, Scott? Questions for you guys. Um, how long how long you been doing this podcast? Well... At the time of this recording, this would be our sixth, seventh episode, so a little bit closer to two months. Um, and you know, Justin and I were, we were co-workers at a restaurant in Rochester, and we always had this idea of starting a podcast because. Let's be honest, Justin, when we were working together, we were talking about the bills more than serving the people. <laughs> so for me, I was like, you know what? This just feels natural. Let's just throw it on the tape and throw it out there, see what happens. And I will say from the first episode to this one, I I just feel like we've grown so much as content creators. So... I think I can speak for Justin and I when I say the time has been short, but the experience and the fun is just, it's worth it. It it definitely is worth it, and I enjoy every second of it. Justin, do you want to ch- uh, chime in here? Yeah, like, like you said, it's been a short time, probably in total, from like when we started doing test episodes and whatnot, maybe like three months now. Um, but kind of once we got past the jitters and the nerves of exactly what we were doing with the first couple episodes, and it's just kind of more a couple dudes talking football, we're bringing on some some friends that are guests, just trying to reach out to Bill's Mafia a little bit. It's really just become like this fun hobby, and I love doing it. Look forward to recording every week when we sit down to do it. Absolutely. Any other questions for us, Scott? Yeah, it was was pretty cool, guys. Thanks for telling me how it all started up and everything. It's always cool to hear. Now, I love listening to podcasts at work. I always have something on. Um, What kind of stuff are you guys going to do once the regular season approaches? And are you doing anything covering the NFL draft coming up? Well, great questions. So when the regular season comes on, we're going to do, you know, our game breakdown of what happened. Hopefully all W's. (laughs) Let's just win every (laughs) single game unrealistic but you know it could happen it definitely could happen and we would be living in the craziest world if that did happen (laughs) hey first team to go 17 and no right outside of the game analysis uh you mentioned the draft so justin actually does a lot of review of the upcoming draft prospects and not just how athletically gifted each person is but how good of a fit they are for the Bills. And I think I think that's what makes mock drafting hard, right? You can easily point at someone and go like, oh my God, they're, they're a god in terms of like their athleticism. But how does that translate to the field and how does it fit with this team? 
So we are doing uh, every episode. We like to cover a little bit of uh, draft prospects, and moving forward, we definitely want to keep an eye on who's coming out. Sounds good. I can't wait to hear those. Absolutely. Well, Scott, it's been a pleasure having you on. You you look like you could suit up for the Bills right now if they <laughs> wanted you to. Um, you know, I, I got to catch up to you still. So maybe I'm not going to run a four six forty. I, I guess I'm not as fast as I thought I was. <laughs> but you know, I, I'll catch up to you one day. Um, thank you for coming on and go Bills. Go Bills, buddy. Thank you for having me. Go Bills. Welcome back, everyone. We're going to wrap up this episode by talking about the free agents and draft prospects. Let's jump into the free agents. Not too much to talk about here because we're just going to recap what the Bills did in free agency thus far when addressing the linebacker position. And that pretty much just revolves around us, I say us as in the Bills, re-signing Matt Milano. I didn't think that was going to happen. I personally accepted the fact that he was gone at the end of the season clearly i was wrong <laughs> so justin just give a, give the people your thoughts about that milano resigning yeah i mean all the all the symptoms were out there that he was walking out the door you know uh brandon bean said he's earned the right to test free agency we've seen in the past that that kind of meant that the guys were out the door we saw it with jordan phillips we saw it with shaq lawson um, I was upset about it, but I had already started planning the future. How are we going to replace him? You know, are we going to draft somebody? Are we going to platoon? Are we going to, you know, bring in a, a different free agent? Um, I'm really glad to have him back. That's kind of a position that you just want to steady hand at. You don't want to go over, go out and overpay in free agency. Um, I had some some people in mind for it but it, it's all kind of null and void at this point I don't, I don't see the bills making any different moves in free agency i think this is our core right here and we're going to roll into next season with it right well if i'm not mistaken that is the only free agent move that the bills did to address the linebacker room am i correct in saying that justin mm-hmm. yes sir well we'll just transition right over to some draft prospects you know a lot of mock drafts out there had the bills taking Milano's replacement like if a Milano caliber player falls down to us at 30 do we do we still want to take him let's think about this real quick if Jeremiah Owusu-Koromora falls to the Bills at 30 would you take him Justin uh, my number one prospect at 30 is Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa and I don't see him there. There's similarities there, but I see him more as like linebacker and name only. He's kind of like the linebacker hybrid safety, that big nickel that we've been talking about for a few years. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the Bills were linked to Kyle Duggar, who went to the Patriots. Uh, Jeremy mm-hmm. Chin, that went to the Panthers, was a guy that they were looking at. Uh, it just seems like kind of the direction the NFL is going. Everybody's trying to get that Travis Kelsey, George Kittle, uh, Darren Waller athletic tight end. You got to be able to cover those guys. And I think I think Owusu-Koromo is that tight end eraser. Yes. 
Um, so, you know, people were talking about drafting him as the Milano replacement. I don't think it's necessarily a seamless transition between what the two of them do. But I think this is a guy that you bring in, that kind of positionless player that just whatever you can ask him to do is going to make your defense better. And he's he's my top prospect at number 30 right, right now. And I'll just throw my hat in the ring here. If the Bills brought in Jeremiah Owusu-Koromora, I love that name, by the way. It just rolls off the tongue. <laughs> but yeah, Really yeah, easy definitely. to say. I don't think at this point you can look at him as the Matt Milano replacement because you know Matt Milano's back. But you should look at him, if the Bills took him at 30, as the Matt Milano Tremaine Edmonds compliment. And mm-hmm. let me tell you this. If, if he's available at 30, I'm going to flip over my table. I, I'm going to freak out because I... I, and I will freak out if the Bills don't take him at 30 unless it's like some god-tier talent that just dropped down to us by some, by some me, uh, like crazy way. Much similar to how Ed Oliver fell to us about, what, two years ago? That was, that was nice. So I would love to see yeah. Jeremiah Wusu-Koromora come in. Some other draft prospects, and I know this is your area of expertise, so I'll just kind of list like one or two names here, and then maybe you can tell me a little bit about them. But Nick Bolton, Zaven Collins, and I know there's like some linebacker at LSU. I can't, his name's like slipping, slipping me, uh, slipping my mind right now. So Justin, tell us about some draft prospects that you can give your feedback on. So my initial kind of replacements for Matt Milano, and I wouldn't really rule out the Bills doing it if if they started to fall. Um, we've talked about it before. We're kind of in that luxury position of going BPA. Um, so if these guys were to fall and you know we fell in love with them as we were thinking we might replace Milano, um, Jabril Cox and Nick Bolton are both some pretty um some pretty good coverage linebackers um likely when i was looking at this you know it was kind of like well will they make it till 30 so you know i don't think it's going to be a luxury pick in the second or third round but i think this year's draft is going to be wild so we'll see what happens the guy i really have my eye on that's kind of like you know low risk high reward uh, Dylan Moses out of Alabama. Um, this dude is an insane athlete. Um, he tore his ACL and pretty much said last year that the only game he felt 100% was the first game of the season. And the whole rest of the year, he was playing through pain. This dude, he's a sideline to sideline guy. You know, he diagnoses the play quickly. He's after people in the backfield. He'll come after your quarterback. He really does everything you want out of the position. Um, But throughout last year, he kind of looked a little bit like a shell of his former self. And I'm kind of sitting here thinking about, like, Tremaine Edmonds playing through pain last year and how he didn't look like himself. So, like, if this guy starts slipping 
you know, round three, he would have been an easy first round pick without the injury. If you get him into a system where he can kind of get back to who he is, not have immediate pressure and really flourish and get back to who he was, this dude is going to be a steal for somebody and absolute game wrecker. And I, I would not be mad if the Bills took a flyer and took a chance on him. Right. I feel like the way that you described this individual reminds me of how I felt about Voshan Joseph when he came out. You know, we'll see. We'll see what happens. It, You know, it... Voshan Joseph, but all juiced <laughs> right. up. Hopefully he can get healthy just in general, and if the Bills can get him at a reasonable value, I'm all for it, Justin. <laughs> Any other prospects you want to chime in on? Uh, that's about all I got at the position. I mean, realistically, I'm looking at, I don't think this is really going to be something that we're going to address early in the draft. I think bringing back Milano was the mm-hmm. big investment here. Um, so I think that kind of frees us up to look somewhere else, maybe cornerback too, um, maybe some offensive mm-hmm. offensive line um, depth and development there. Um, but yeah, those are the guys I'm looking at. If they if they start to fall to us a little bit, you can't deny the right. value. Hey, just to just to put it out there, the Bills did meet with um, guard, center, whatever you want to call him, Quinn Meneres. I'm That's telling you, I I I want this man, Justin. I want him at some point. Listen, you're allowed to want Quinn, but I'm not allowed to want Javion. I never said you're not allowed to like Javion. I'm just saying. You said pre-show, I can't wait till he goes to somebody else. I said, what will you do when he's not picked up by the Bills? I'll be sad. <laughs> All right. Well, that's going to wrap it up for this week's episode. Next week, we're going to continue the defensive position review by talking about the defensive backs. Please come join our show. We would love to have you on as a guest. And you can reach out to us by giving us a DM or emailing us at thewanderingbuffalopodcast at gmail.com. Or, you know, obviously, if you're on social media, you can just give us a DM at thewanderingbuffalopodcast. Make sure to, uh, sorry, make sure to subscribe, rate, leave a review. It'd be much appreciated. And any feedback is so helpful. And thank you for listening. Justin, where can the people find you? You can find me on any social media at jgods22. Hit us up. If you want to join the show or something like that, let us know. We're looking for fan engagement, questions, anything that you want to contribute to the show. We're always looking to get Bill's Mafia involved. You can find me on social media accounts by searching 2Jangs. All right, well, that's going to wrap it up for this week's episode. Justin, we'll see you guys next week, all right? Go Bills. Hey, go Bills. Go Bills.